Welcome everybody to the Diecast Movie Podcast. For this episode, we have a special interview brought to you by my dad. Take it away, Dad. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast, where the movies we discuss are decided by the role of a die, and we also do interviews too. Today, we're doing an interview. Um, very special guest, Jennifer Savage, who's going to be at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, September 15th through the 17th, 2022, at Hunt Valley, Maryland. I hope everybody that lives in the area gets a chance to come on by and meet her. Um, if you're not able to get into the area, well, at least you'll have this interview to get an idea of what you're missing and what she's like. I hope you enjoy it. And now, let's head to the interview. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. And this time I'm going to be doing an interview with Jennifer Savage. You might remember her from St. Elsewhere, JAG, American Crime, lots of different TV shows where she had a reoccurring role or a main role in. She was also in some movies that you might have seen, like Clifford, True Crime. Um, how are you doing today, Ms. Savage? I'm doing very well, Steve. Thank you very much. I'm having a great time, and I know the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention is just around the corner in September 15th through the 17th of 2022, and I'm going to be seeing you there, and uh, this, I believe this is your first convention appearance? Yes, it is. I got talked into doing this by my my husband, Robert Fuller, and, and our dear friend, Tony, Tony Gill from England, and I I thought it sounded really exciting, and and so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a new experience for me, but it'll be exciting. I've been to that convention many times. It's close to where I live. It's a very, and I'm sure Robert and Tony both told you because they've been there before. Also, it's it's a family atmosphere. It's 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 laid back. It's not like. Um, some of these shows you hear about where they're making people sign and sign and trying to get people through the line as quick as they can. It's, you have time to talk with everybody and, you know, and it, it, it makes it, it makes it a really nice atmosphere to enjoy the show. Yes. Yes. That's what I've, I've heard from Bob. And of course my husband is very good at that, at that kind of thing. He doesn't like to push people away or to, to push them through a line. So I'm taking tips from him on how to handle all this. But um, I, you know, when I was working on those shows and I would be sent out to do some publicity stuff, it was always a lot of fun to meet people and, you know, they're your fans and they, they love the show and it's great to be able to answer questions. I think you're going to be in for a treat. And, um, and as, as I told people in another episode, St. Jude's is the um, charity that everything that the um, convention makes money-wise, go straight to them, and you also do a charity auction that they have raised money for St. Jude's. Oh, that's excellent. I We support that that uh, charity as well, and uh, Bob's fan club also supports it, and it's one of one uh, charity that's very dear to both of our hearts, and so I'm, I'm really delighted to hear that. Oh, I didn't know if you knew or not, but now you know. So it's just um, everything yeah. that goes there goes straight to them. And I think it's something that Martin Grams, who runs the show, is, is a big proponent of. Oh, that's great. I had no idea about that. That's excellent. Now, one thing I'm, I, I always like to ask a lot of people in an interview, what got you started to thinking that you wanted to be an actress, you know, when you were growing up? Was it a TV show, a movie? Was it a play? Or was it just something that naturally came from you? Well, well, I, 
as a kid, I was always going off and, and um, pretending that I was this or that. I, usually it was, oddly enough, it was, you know, my, my parents used to laugh because I always thought I was a horse or was a cowboy or, or something like that. But I would, um, I would come up with little stories of my own. But in high school, I, I was very active in performing in, in the high school plays. But my father, who was an English professor, had a colleague who was head of the theater department at the college that he taught at. And um, he came to see me in some of the plays. And when I was graduating, going off to college, he said, have you thought about theater? And I said, well, no, I'm thinking about getting a, a PhD in English literature and living up in some garret and writing, you know, papers on English lit. And he said, no, why don't you, why don't you investigate the plays that are going on down there in the theater department and audition for everything and see how you feel about it. So he was really instrumental in encouraging me in that, that vein, because my parents I'm sure would have preferred that I did something that would, would uh, bring me, you know, instant employment after college. But I did that and I did very well there and uh, even did some directing. And uh, after I graduated, I went into Los Angeles and started beating the pavement. That's how that got started. And then getting into to acting classes and some of the teachers seeing my work and then recommend. In fact, that's how I got St. Elsewhere was uh, Jeffrey Tambor, the actor, mm-hmm. who was one of my teachers at the Milton Katsela School. And he knew the director of the pilot for St. Elsewhere. And he said, you really should see this girl and I he, the, the guy didn't know who I was so he just he just gave me a very small part in it and then they they changed directors after they had shot the pilot and they brought me back in and the director was somebody that I knew uh from years ago in school and and he said give her a bigger part and it started from there it started as a very very small part and I was actually doing a an episode one time that was the biggest part I had had on the show so far. And <laughs> kind of an interesting story about this. I had been jumping horses at that point and I had a really bad accident and ended up in the hospital. I, nothing broke, but I had a very severe concussion and <clears throat> they did not want to release me from the hospital the morning I was supposed to shoot this episode. And I said, well, I need to get out of here. So the next group that came by, I said, I was feeling great. And they said, well, we'll release you. And I got a friend to drive me to the set. And I would just kind of lean up against a wall. So blood wasn't pouring out of my ears and my nose and things like that. And, and I, so I was doing this scene with Ed Bagley. And the executive producer, Bruce Paltrow, came on the set. And he was watching it. And he, he said, who is that? And they you know, said, well, told that Jennifer Savage. And she's done several episodes. and. He said, well, this is exactly what we need on this show, this kind of attitude and this quality. And and a friend of mine was there on the set. He was working in another scene, Terry Knox. And he said, he overheard this. And he told me about it. He said, this is, you have to figure out your niche. And I think you can figure that out as a result of what you did today. And that will, it will behoove you to develop that because, he, they have seen that. Bruce has seen that, and that will get you further in this this uh, series. And it did, and it 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 started to develop from there. 
That's I find it interesting because here you had this real life thing, and it led to you to act a certain way, and that of course parlayed into um, becoming a series regular and that kind of stuff as the show kept going on. Well, it's I worked I worked in Night of the Iguana on Broadway, and Dorothy McGuire. You, you remember Dorothy McGuire, that yes. really wonderful actress. She was in it, and she said to me one time. I wasn't feeling very well. I don't know if I thought I was coming down with the flu or something. And she said, Jennifer, actresses don't get sick. And I think when I was in the hospital, I could have said, well, the doctor said that I should stay, you know, and, and if I miss out on this chance, it, that's too bad. But I thought, nope, actresses don't get sick. <laughs> you get to the set, whether you're going to have a blood clot in your brain or not, and you go on with it, you know, it's, it was rather kind of stupid on my part, but on the other hand, I don't know what would have happened on St. Elfer had I not done that. So it was, uh, it was a good move, I guess. Well, in hindsight, it was a good move. I think when we're all young, we're like, oh, I, I could just, I'll get there and I'll make it through it, you know? And, and, and Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think any actor, any actor will tell you that when they're young, if, if they say jump, you say how high and I'll do it, whether it's dangerous to yourself or not. It's when you get older and you start realizing that your body is not working the way that it used to and it doesn't recover the way it used to, you get a little bit more cautious. But yes, in those days, I was willing to do anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, within reason, but... Yeah, because they say like an actor, an actress, like one of the things you never want to say when they say, "Can you do this?" You you never want to say no. You're like, "Oh, sure, I can." And even if, and then you go out <laughs> and learn it. <laughs> well, I think my husband, who who worked in a lot of of westerns, would talk about the actors that would come on and and they would tell the producers, "Oh, yeah, I can ride a horse," and they'd never been on one in their lives until they got on the set, and it became very apparent. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that actors do. Well, I mean, it's, it's you got to do what you have to do, and and you you brought up Broadway. You were in another Broadway play, Romeo and Juliet, in nineteen seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. You were um what yes. the, the Lady of Verona. Yes, yes, and I uh, and I understudied um, Roxanne, and yeah, that was a that was a lovely experience. I had done Shakespeare before, but oh shoot, what was the, the name of the actress that played? Juliet, Pamela, oh, was it Pamela Peyton Wright? Is that who it was? She, um, but she was absolutely wonderful. I used to just love to watch her. Yeah, and, and that was a wonderful experience. And then I came back to Los Angeles after that and started in, in television. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like Broadway, you get used to doing the different things there, and, and then you just move over to yeah, well, I guess, you know, you, you were born in California. I guess you went to New York, and then you came back to California. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I actually came back because I was married at the time and thought I should come back. Or I was getting married. That's right. I was about to get married. And I thought, oh, well, I guess I better go back. But I, I really did love being in New York and working in theater in New York. And, and it, it was wonderful because I, I – in Night of the Iguana, Richard Chamberlain was in it, and we became very good friends. And when he directed The Shadow Box at Williamstown Theater Festival, he called me and asked me if I wanted to play Agnes. And I said, sure, I didn't know who Agnes was, but I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and yeah, that was a wonderful experience, 
too. And I thought about going back into New York, but uh, personal reasons kept me from staying there and had to come back to Los Angeles. But then I had a TV career after that. So it all worked out fine. And I know from talking to other actors, uh, there's, there's a huge difference between live theater and, of course, doing it for TV and then, of course, doing it for movies, you know, yes. between the three. And how was it adjusting going from live theater to television? Well, I didn't have much a, much of an adjustment period for that, and I, I tended to take my theater acting <laughs> onto the TV set, which – was also interesting because it was appreciated by some of the directors and the producers on St. Elsewhere. And then the, this one director came on and he didn't like it at all. And he tried to water me down as much as possible and then pull me back and pull me back. And, and I started doing that. And then I, I ran into one of the other producers on the lot during this episode that was being shot. And he, he said, don't listen to anything he's telling you. So, okay. So I guess I handled it all right, you know, in my own fashion, but I was never aware of, uh, of doing anything differently. But, you know, as, as, it, 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 that was also the character. I mean, she was, she was sharp. She was outspoken. She, you know, there wasn't a lot of real refinement there. <laughs> and, and, th- and that's what they liked with that character. So, it stood me in good stead. I think when I went on to other shows, you just gradually learn, you know, and, and you just work for the camera and you're not playing to a big audience then. So, and in film, you know, it just takes so much longer to shoot and film and you have a, you have the luxury of spending a lot more time and creating characters and moments and things like that. But working on a series with one character is wonderful because you you kind of live with a personality if you if you enjoy the character you know for a long time. So your, your character reminds me of um, my one aunt Rose who was a, a school nurse. Ironically, you know because you were a nurse. The way you, she was always a matter of fact. This is the way it is, and she did not water or what do they say sugarcoat anything. She would just tell you. <laughs> and so if you wanted to know the truth, you'd ask her a question. You'd get the truth. There, there was no, right. it, which is so you know reminiscent of your character. You know, it was just like this is okay. Don't ask a question you don't want the answer to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of warm fuzzy stuff there going on with the uh, nurse Papandreou. I don't know if you if you re- avidly watched the show, but there was that character Florence Halop. Mrs. Huffnagel was the character that she played, and she the most annoying patient. Do you remember that? It, it's been a while, um, but I did watch the show, yes. Okay, well, you know, we end up inadvertently killing her because the bed folds up on her, you know, and, uh, you know, it's not something I intentionally did, and uh, but it just happens. And But I, she was constantly calling me in there, and there was this, you know, this series of episodes where they're, you know, going back into Mrs. Halp's room, and she would, because my character was Greek, she would say really insulting things like, so you're from, are you a Cretan? And, and we had this wonderful 
adversarial relationship of nurse and person. And, you know, God forbid you should ever get a nurse like that when you're in real trouble, frankly. <laughs> but, you know, I did my job for Pete's sake. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, everybody, you know, everybody's human and you get certain dif- different yeah. types for different jobs. So it's, but, it, mm-hmm. but your character is perfect for the show because you needed that kind of little um, spitfire going on. That, you know, every, there are so many eccentric characters in the show. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Wonderful. The things I was thinking about the people that I'd worked with, you know, the guest stars that have been on that show and, Steve Allen and Jane Meadows were my in-laws on that show after I married uh, Ed Bagley character. And um, I couldn't believe that these were going to be my in-laws. And they played five on the, in the episode that they were in. It was just it was hysterical to me. You know, they always had to have some wacky character coming through on that series. It was wonderful. Oh, I love, I love, I mean, it's one of those shows that also the sound to it, when you hear the sound, da, 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 everybody knows right yeah. away that, that that's the show that, that watched it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was sad for all of us, I think, when that show ended. I think Ed Bakery was especially hit hard by that because it was his first series. Of course, it was mine, but um, there were a lot of us that just kind of cut our teeth on that series, there was a uh, Fiscus, Howie Mandel. Mm-hmm. That was his first series, his first job. I mean, I found him in a, um, in a, uh, comedy room, you know, and doing his act and they hired him for that job. And he had never, I don't think he'd ever read a script in his life. And he tells the story about the first time that he had a scene on St. Elsewhere. It was this whole, one whole page or two whole page, monologue that he where he had to spew out all this medical terminology and he said to this day he can recite it because he worked so hard on <laughs> memorizing that because he had no idea what he was talking about he thought i better learn this or they're going to fire me and he was so nervous about it you, you also had denzel washington and mark Harmon. i mean it's just amazing how oh, yeah. people you know went on to way more bigger things you know and stuff like that right with this show right mark uh, I loved Mark Harmon. He was, he was the sweetest man. He really was. We, I really enjoyed working with him. And, uh, I never, I never really had any scenes with Denzel, but of course, you know, now you look at him and you think, wow, I worked with him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what can you say about it? I mean, it's just, I mean, everything he does is awesome. So it's, I've yet to see, oh. I've yet to see him do anything oh. poorly. <laughs> yes. And he's a, He's a really good guy, you know. It that's one of the the joys of watching a career like that. That's so stunning, and then you just hear the wonderful things that he does, you know, with the boys and girls clubs and um, and things like that. And a, a real family man as well. So it's I, I that that makes me happy to see his success. Well, you know, I think good things happen to good people, and if people. I think a lot of actors and people that work in your industry, and I think every industry, when they treat everybody with um, kindness or whatever and do the job right, then they usually right. work, you know, have other work for them down the road because people remember that because they, 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 know, yes. they know how to do their stuff and they're not a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I was talking to a director one time who cast me in, uh, I guess it was LA law. 
And he had he had been on St. Elsewhere as an assistant director, and then he became a director. And, and he said to me, he was now working on another show, and I won't say which one it was, but he said to me, he said, I, I really just want to work with people that, that I can work with, you know, and, and, and get along with. You know, they, they have to be talented, but he said, there's so many that I come up against that, that are just problem people. And I, it just, it doesn't make life fun or the job fun if you have to work with people like that. So, yeah, I'm sure people love working with Denzel. And what was it like working with William Daniels? Oh, Billy, <laughs> a sweet, oh, he's a sweetheart, you know, he was wonderful and funny and uh, completely professional. You know, you learned a lot about acting by watching him and, and yeah, it was wonderful being around him on the set. The, uh, Ed Flanders was, was one of the, the guys on the show that, that had some issues, but, um, but watching him work and being in a scene with him was startling because he'd be talking to you and then they would say action. And all of a sudden he's, he's in the scene and he's, and you can't figure out if he's really acting or if he's just talking to you still. <laughs> and yet you recognize the lines from a script. It, he was just such a wonderful actor. That was really a treat. And then of course there was Norman Lloyd who was just everybody's favorite. And he just recently passed away. Yeah, he lived. He lived a, a very long, long life. <laughs> yeah, but well, he's the character that came on St. Elsewhere with liver cancer, and it was only supposed to last for six months. And apparently, Blythe Danner went to uh, Bruce Falter when they were married, and she said to after watching the pilot and a couple of the episodes, she said, "If you kill him, I'll, I'll leave you." So he was the longest lasting person patient with liver cancer in the history of Manhattan and for six or seven, seven seasons of being alive. But, but he was a love. He really was. Well, it's always good to hear about that. When you talk about people that you watched when I was, cause I was a teenager watching this show and going yeah. into adulthood. And it's just one of those things, you know, you get used to certain characters and certain people and, and that kind of thing. It's nice to hear that they're good people out, outside the, um, the, the role because that's not always true yeah. as you as you as you well know <laughs> yeah 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 I think after after working on St. Elsewhere and then guest starring on some other shows when I would run up against somebody that was not welcoming not pleasant to you on the set that, that it was it was rough you know you thought wait a minute this isn't my experience beforehand why is this now and you know you just learn that they're going to be those people but um, it's unnecessary, you know. I don't, I just, I just don't understand why people have to be that way. So, well, I guess I'm the same way. I'm never going to understand it, and I figured if I do understand it, then I might, then I might be encroaching on that type of person, you know, be becoming that way. So, part of me yeah. doesn't, doesn't want to understand it totally. It's just like I don't know, I, yeah. I don't know why they do what they do, but I'm not going to try to figure it out too much. Right, right. Just protect yourself and go on. <laughs> yep. After saying elsewhere, you did, like you said, lots and lots of TV work, you know, cause you're, yeah. I mean, you've got tons of credits and tons of different shows, but before I get, yeah. before I talk more about your TV work, I want to do bring, I want to bring up a couple of your movies. Um, uh -huh. Magic Kid 2, which you did with Stephen <laughs> first, 
you know, which I'm sure he yeah. has this connection with you as saying elsewhere. What was that like? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that was a lot of fun. Stephen was on there, and then he had, had David Morse come on and do a part on it, and um, it was Stephen's first directorial thing, I believe, and I, I, Stephen and I were very good friends. We stayed very good friends after staying elsewhere. And we would talk a lot. So it's just like family, you know, family getting together and doing something that was kind of crazy, kind of fun. And, you know, really the only thing I remember about being on that show was the bulldog that was on it, oddly enough. That was his dog, I think. And he put, gave the dog a role in the show, as I recall. I don't know. I, you know, I really don't remember that much about working on it, except that even we had fun, you know, it was, it was relaxed and fun and, uh, and we were doing it for Steven. So and since the dog knew the director, he was able to get a good role. <laughs> yeah. He slept, that dog slept a lot and snored a lot, but you know, he was a good natured dog. <laughs> Sometimes it's, oh, all, sometimes it's all who you know. And the dog had connections. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, telling you. <laughs> now, another movie that came out also in 94 was Clifford. And, and, and yes. listeners understand, this is not Clifford the big red dog. This is, this is a no. different Clifford. <laughs> Clifford. You know, it, it, that movie didn't do well at all. And I got a call one day from somebody who wanted to interview me about Clifford because he said, are you aware that it's become kind of a cult movie? I said, I had no idea. I had no idea. And so he was going around interviewing everybody and Martin and Charles. He was trying to get Charles Grodin, but I, I think Charles Grodin died shortly after he talked to me, and I'm not sure if he got him or not for that interview. And uh, Richard Kinder played my husband. But working, I played Martin's mother. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was an alcoholic, which was, I hate to say this, but it was fun playing that. <laughs> this is a kid who drove me to drink. That's basically what it was. I wouldn't say that, you know, they didn't qualify me as being an alcoholic, but this kid was so annoying that he drove me to drink. And um, working with Martin Short was absolutely delicious because he was the funniest man in the world. And there wasn't a time on that set when you weren't laughing because of his, he would do these imitations, you know, of Ethel Merman and other actors and singers and, and his stuff were in hysterics. And they had, he had to wear these, they called them Milton Burles. Do you know what they are? They apparently Milton Burl used to have these tapes and wires that he, he would use to make himself look younger and stretch his face, you know, and uh, so Martin had to wear those, and we had to walk along on platforms so that Martin would look shorter because he was playing a 10-year-old boy. And we're getting ready to shoot a scene one day, and he's making me laugh again, and I'm laughing, and I look at his face, and suddenly half his face falls. And I said, Martin, you might want to go to wardrobe, I mean, to makeup and hair, because I think half of your face is just dropped and he looked at me he was actually panicked and he reached up and one of the, the wires had come loose and, and his face had fallen a little bit you know not usually it wasn't like he was so old that it made him look so much older but he it was such a funny moment and he uh he scrambled back there to get that that face back up there but 
Richard Kind played my husband, and I, and I had one short scene with Charles Grodin at the end. I don't think it, it was actually in the final cut because they changed the ending. But funny people, you know, it's just that and that always makes it a lot of fun. Hard, but fun. You can't keep a straight face, but that was fun. Especially since Martin Short was constantly performing whether he was on camera or off, so he was keeping you guys. Yeah. Like, it must have been like having like Robin Williams there where he's just, oh, I'm going to oh. entertain you the oh. whole time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's perfectly the way it was, yeah. Yeah. But I think nowadays if they did that film, they'd probably like um, de-age his face or whatever like they do in some of those oh, movies. Oh, sure. And they wouldn't have to worry yeah. about, oh, his face dropped. It would be like, eh, this the CGI will fix it. <laughs> I, I don't think Martin was actually very happy that I pointed that out to him. But um, he forgave me. Well, somebody was going to have to say it to him sooner or later, you know, because you're, you're yeah. going to be the film. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't kill the messenger. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Oh, man. But you, oh, well. You were also in a movie, um, True Crime, with uh, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. Yeah, I played her mother in that. Boy, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, she was quite a good a little actress. She was really good in that. Yeah, I, because that was, this was early in her career. Very early, I think. Well, I think she had done uh, that teen movie. What was it called? Um, oh gosh, I can't remember. I can't remember that movie. But she'd done that, and that's why then she did this. Uh, she was she was interesting to work with. Is she actually very. She'd done a few movies. Yeah. I'm not sure which one now. I'm, I'll, I'll name a few of them off. You tell me. There was The Crush, Hideaway, Clueless, and The Babysitter. Probably Clueless. 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 Yeah. I think she did this after Clueless. Yeah. I don't. I remember having to wear a wig in that show, and I, I'm not fond of wearing wigs. <laughs> I remember the wig. <laughs> not a lot of fondness, but. But we got along fine. You know, we, we, I never saw her after that. She wasn't a very, and this is no criticism at all, but she was very focused on what she was doing. And, um, and that was fine. That was fine. Well, I, so, guess, I guess um, that matched her character because her character was so focused and trying to solve the crime. Yes. And Kevin Dillon was in it as the, um, for yes. Those, as the, for those that haven't seen it, as the bad guy. Yeah. I thought, too cute to make him the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. I think that's why they made him the bad guy, because everybody would think, oh, he's too cute. It can't be him. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I knew you knew, but I'm just, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed I enjoyed working with that director. She, it was a woman, and I got along very well with her. Oh, Pat um, Verducci? Verducci? Yes. Yeah. Now, Going back to going back to TV, you mm-hmm. were, you were in a couple other series. One of them a long running series, but you had a reoccurring role in Jag. And yes. what was that? What was that like? Because you got to play, I think, was it like one of the judges? Yes, I was uh, Commander Amy Elfman. It was. I have to say that it's a real pleasure to wear that uniform. <laughs> Made me feel like I had served that. That show was a godsend for me because it it went on and on and on. And uh, the the people on it were wonderful. David was always a gentleman when I worked with him, and and also um, oh shoot, what's her name? Catherine, Catherine Bell. 
Thank you. Thank you. I had actually worked with her in some other movie of the week or film or something. I can't remember what it was. And then she she did Jag, so it was nice to see her again on that. Beautiful girl and good actress. Yeah, and I, it, it was physically, and this will sound odd, but it was physically a tough show for me to do because I would get there early in the morning and be there all day long, sometimes not getting home till midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And a lot of my scenes, because my scenes were always in the courtroom on the bench, sometimes a lot of my scenes were done on a ladder and I'd be perched on this ladder and they'd be shooting me up on this ladder because they had to swing around and then shoot the guys behind, you know, that, that were in front of the, the, uh, the bench. Mm-hmm. And they would always save my close-ups and my work till the very end of the day. And at that point, a lot of the actors were gone. And so I was acting with a, an empty room and a strip group script supervisor, which was, that was a discipline, you know, you had to know how to do that, be able to work through it. And sometimes David would, would say, no, you know, let, let me stay and, and do this with her. And I'd say, no, we, we need you back really early. And so they would send them off. But it was a workout. I'll say that. I never worked that hard on, I don't think on anything before. That had to be really tough for you yeah. as an actress, because I know for the actors like yourself, the reaction, you know, you, when you're not seeing the other person react to what you're saying, I mean, you, you have to go from memory from when they did their part, you know, right. that, that, that has to be right. extremely difficult because they're able to at least get it from you, but you're, mm-hmm. I, I mean, David tried to, you know, um, David Elliott, tr- David James Elliott tried to do it where he was going to be there for you. Cause he knows that's the polite mm-hmm. thing to do. That's the respectful thing to do. And they're saying, yes. no, 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 yes. we need you for the long run. And that right. kind of thing, which, you know, so at least, you know, they were trying to, they wanted to be there for you, but they were forced not to. Well, yeah, they needed him sharp because he, he had a lot more work to do than I did, you know, different mm-hmm. scenes that are exterior and all that kind of stuff. They needed him fresh, but, but it, it, it's exhausting, you know, sitting on a, a ladder all day long. And the other thing that was hard for me, I, I never had problems memorizing lines. You know, I was one of those, you see it, you've got it and you go. When it came to this role, a lot of that legalese was really hard for me. And then you'd have scenes where all I would do in that scene would be, you know, sustained, overruled, sustained, over. <laughs> I think, I can't remember. Am I sustaining this or am I overruling this? <laughs> you know, it just becomes tough. You have a whole paragraph of dialogue. That's one thing. But when all you're saying is sustained or overruled, you better get it right. <laughs> So anyway, that was, and they had the other people on it were, were really good, nice, nice actors. And, and so that was, uh, that was a pleasure. Now there was a TV movie you were in and you got to work with a legend in the industry, Angela Lansbury in Shoot Down. Oh my gosh. Yes. What was it like working with her? I mean, cause she's just, I mean. I adore her work. She's been good guys, yes. bad guys, music, everything. She can do it all. She she was a real lady. You know, she was refined and professional, kind, you know, not let's sit down and have a cup of coffee together, but 
really was there with you in a scene. And, and I enjoyed that with her. She played my mother. And, and I, of course, you know, you're in awe of her. <laughs> you get to the set because she has such a freaking resume behind her. And she never acted that way. It was always warm. And we had family scenes together with my brother and my sister. And and they were easy to do because we were all, she was so kind and warm, you know, with everybody doing the work. I enjoyed doing that one. Well, I'm, I'm glad. And it was my, my, yeah. I'm sorry, you go. No, I was just going to say it's the first time I'd had to work with a baby before. And so that was interesting. <laughs> but it made it fun. Really, what was what was what was um unique? I mean, I'm the work of a baby, but I mean, you know, it's just well, yeah, it's a little baby. It, it doesn't want to be there on the set in a carriage or be picked up by some foreign, you know, stranger woman. So I had to be cognizant of that and, and just patient. And we all had to be patient about it. And um, you know, nothing was held up. It, it was a was a cute baby. <laughs> How can you not just enjoy working with a cute baby, no matter whether it's crying or not? But I, I did see a picture of of a scene that I had with myself and Angela and the baby and the two of us. Angela and I just have these wonderful looks on our faces. We're, we're looking at this child. And that that reminded me of how how nice it was to work with her, too. You know, she, she's just lovely. Well, I know, I know I'm, I'm a huge Angela Lansbury fan, which I think most people are, and it's just... It's just nice to hear good things about her. <laughs> you know, I think she English. She's English, right? And um, I think so. I don't know. I, I think that there's a whole professional. Not I'm a star, but I'm an actress. I'm doing my job, and I'm doing everything I can to make this work and be the best it can possibly be. And that's the attitude that she has. Yep, she was born in London, so she definitely is yeah. English. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, but I think you know. Yeah. yeah, it's a different. It's a different thing. And do you have time for um two other questions? Sure. One, two of these, two of these shows I just love a lot, and I know you're only in them for an episode, so you, you might not have great memories of them. But I have to ask, <laughs> <laughs> Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. Oh, now Bob and I were just talking about that because Tony had found a picture of me in that. And I was with um, Gleason. Gleason, what was it? Oh, my shoot. I, I just adored this guy. We worked three times together in three different shows as husband and wife. I really liked working on that show. You know, I I don't think I worked with, did I work with it? Did, yeah, oh, you, you know, the, the star on that, the guy. Dean Kane. Dean was in that? Dean Kane. Okay, who Dean, Dean Kane was Superman. Okay, I did not work with Dean Kane. I worked with the evil guy. What's his name? Um, Paul, he was in Paul Gleason. Paul Gleason was... No, Paul Gleason was my husband. Was your yeah. husband. Paul, and, Paul Gleason and I worked oh, on oh. three different shows. John Shea. Yes. John Shea. Let's John Shea. Oh, he was awesome that first season. <laughs> yes. And he, he was in Romeo and Juliet when I worked on Broadway. Really? Yes. And then he... He came in house that for me, and I said, "What are you doing here? You, you know, I mean, I have to go away. You can, you know, take care of my house for me while I go away." And he said, uh, "Well, I'm thinking of getting into television." The next thing, you know, years go by, and all of a sudden, I walk on the set, and there's John. That was fun. Um, small world, you know. Of course, 
but um, that, yeah, I, you want me to, to tell you a lot of memories that I have of working on this show. Well, no. I just remember working with Paul that, you know, we were cracking up and here we were again, you know, husband and wife. And uh, so you and Paul Gleason played he, husband and wife in several different things then. Yes, we were on a, we did a, an episode of a, of a sitcom. It might, might've been a pilot or it might've been, I don't think it was a pilot, but I don't think it, it lasted very long. We had puppets that spoke, but that, that, you know, but it had a cast of people, but then there were these puppets that spoke. <laughs> don't ask me. And, um, and we were in that and together. And then we did a, a, a pilot for another sitcom and he played a dentist and I played his wife who was really upset and he had the hots for the, the, uh, the hairdresser that I had. And I was just, it was, he was good. He was such a good actor. So I always enjoyed working with him. I just find it funny. It was how, so fun. I just find it yeah. funny how you two, that he kept putting the two of you together as husband and wife, like different um, casting directors. It's like, all oh, these two look like, yeah, I don't couple. think they, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was older than I was, but it, you know, it, uh, he was so good. So I, I just find it funny. Yeah, well, and it do, is funny. And do you have any memories of when you worked on Star Trek Deep Space Nine? <laughs> yes, I do. I remember I burned up, I burned up in that. That's all I remember. And I remember that I showed up on the set with blonde hair and I said, no, 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 no. And then they dyed my hair dark. And I, 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 I that whole phenomenon, you know, of the Star Trek shows and, and how crazy people go for those mm -hmm. is really amazing to me. I have no idea, you know, no, I have an idea about what it is because I've heard it for years. But for people to say, oh, you were on, and I think, I was hardly on there. I, I came on, I had a wonderful scene with what's her name, and then uh, I burn up. <laughs> that, and, I, I, and it was the first time that I had ever worked with the uh, green screen. So, that was interesting. Oh, really? Which is, yeah, you know what that screen? is, right? Yeah, I know what green screen is. What was it like work? What was it like for you? Well, it was, it was, it was awesome because there you are acting all by yourself just in front of a green screen, you know, and, and you're supposed to pretend that there are people around you, that there are flames coming out of you and you're burning up and all this stuff, which is why they were doing it was because they couldn't show me actually burning up, but um, they had to show me burning up in the scene and that's what it was for. And I had to melt. I had to slowly melt down to the ground. So, so that was, it was fun. Yeah, because now, now you're forever with, you know, eligible to go to Star Trek conventions, which are the, which are basically a, a, thing, a thing of their own. I mean, it's... it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody approached me about that just recently, and I said, nobody would be interested in, in me. He said, you have no idea. You have no idea what these people are like. Yeah, you really it doesn't don't. matter if you walked across the screen, you know. They're like, oh, you were blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I've I've been to Star Trek conventions and yes, yeah, and that is true. They would they would know you. It's I I, I enjoy the show, but and people uh -huh. say, people say, oh you're a fan. It's like yeah, I enjoy the show. I guess you could say I'm a fan of the show, but I'm not a hardcore a fan of the show where I could tell you yeah. every single thing that goes on and, and and they'll know all these things. I'm just like I said, right. that, that's a level beyond me. You know, I mean, it's that, that is dedication. <laughs> And, and there's nothing wrong right. with it. It's just, it's just, they really are fascinated and enjoy yeah. those shows. Yeah. 
Was it was it Nana Visitor? Was that the one you worked with? Yes. Yeah. I remember working with her, and um, she 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 asked me to come into her trailer to run lines, and she had her baby, and she said, "Here, hold my baby." And I was like, "What? <laughs> hold your child?" Well, yeah, that was something else. Well, she saw you. She saw you in the movie with Angel Lansbury. Knows you know how to hold babies. I guess that's what it was. He said, "Yeah, you know how to hold a baby. We'll give it to you." <laughs> <laughs> Poor child. You know. <laughs> anyway, well, I want to thank fun. you for your, for the time. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely. At, this is fun, and I can't wait to meet you in September fifteenth or seventeenth at the Mid Atlantic Nostalgia Convention. I'm really looking forward to. Yes, yeah, there, there are going to be. So many big stars there. I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see some of these people. I mean, Constance Towers, oh, my gosh. And uh, Nancy Kovac. Nancy Kovac. Lynn Holly Johnson. I think I actually went on a ski event, charity ski event, along, you know, you know before the dawn of man. Um, Jamie Farr, who's a kick. And, uh, of Melissa. course, Melissa Gilbert. Everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and then a whole and, I said, Bunch you, of and, and you know somebody else that's going to be there too, real well. Oh, let me see. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Who could that be? Oh, Robert Fuller. A and wine train in emergency. Oh, I'm so excited to meet him. Oh, wait a minute. I'm married to him. <laughs> well, I think it, it, it's really wonderful of Martin to ask me to do this and it is going to be on the 15th and the 17th. And, and, and aren't the tickets $20 per person per day? Um, yes. The children that are 16 or under are free, something like that. Yeah. I believe so. So and it's a worthwhile thing. It is. And again, uh, if everything goes, all the money that they make goes to St. Jude's. So if, if you help that them. That is so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. If you show up and, and yeah. if anything, anything that were from the black arms, once they, once they paid for the show, it all goes to charity. Uh-huh. And anything from the auction which is usually on Friday, and there's a lot of great stuff that, that are, that's put up for the auction that people can participate in. All that money, 100% of that money goes to St. Jude's. So it's, Oh, that's great. That is great. And if anybody doesn't know what St. Jude's is all about, they should Google it because it is one of the most wonderful, wonderful charities. And the fact that they've taken on all these kids from the Ukraine, you know, who have cancer and, and we're going, just going to die from their cancer because the war going on and they take them into St. Jude's and, and the families that take their kids are going to have to pay for anything. It, it's definitely worthwhile to support that charity. So I applaud, I applaud Martin and everybody's involved with that. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to meeting you, Stephen. Looking, That'll be great. I'm looking forward to meeting you too. And just before we say our proper goodbyes, I was going to end the, the show with th- thank you again for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. Um, with Jennifer Savage. The next episode up is going to be another interview from somebody at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, Jeremy Ambler. So I hope everybody looks forward to listening to that episode. And uh, again, thank you for listening. And I hope if anybody has any feedback, they can send it to diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com or give us a comment on our Facebook page. Hope everybody has a nice day. And again, thanks for listening. And to take us out of this episode, we're going to listen to the St. Elsewhere theme. Thank you. Bye.